Locked On Podcast Network and Odyssey present Locked On Today. The Suns have gone right at superstar Luka Doncic. Which horse will win the Kentucky Derby? And the Golden State Warriors are in the driver's seat, says Hall of Famer Rick Barry. I'm Peter Bukowski, starting your day with the stories you need to know and biggest debates in sports. You're Locked On Today. Searching all major sports. Found. Let's start with the biggest story. Luka Doncic and the Dallas Mavericks have sunburn. In game two, the Phoenix Suns went so mercilessly at Luka Doncic. It has Mavericks fans wondering where they can go from here. 50 times the Suns used Luka in the screen and roll. They averaged 1.72 points per possession on those plays. Joining me now from Locked On Suns, Brendan Clean. And Brendan, this is as merciless is the, the word I keep using. We've seen a team go at a superstar, a super duper star like this in a playoff series. Why, why did why why have we never seen someone something like this? And and more to the point, uh, when will it stop, if ever? It'll stop when the Mavs get to stop. And I thought you were going to end the sentence by saying until, and I was going to fill it in for you, which was the second round last year with these same Phoenix Suns. And the victim at that point was Nikola Jokic, who also with his inability to kind of move his feet and, and contain the pick and roll was exploited. I mean, Michael Porter Jr. was the guy who got the most attention, but Jokic struggled too. The Suns just do this to you. Um, I think you can point to Luka's injury and recovering there. I know Mavs fans say that he's improved, and I, I believe that. He also has the type of body and the type of game where you wouldn't think it would be so bad. Um, so I tend to give him some credit and think something must just be a little bit off. But the bottom line is he's not up to the task. He's tired. And the Mavs just don't have the personnel to do anything else. You saw in the third quarter in game two that they tried to double team and blitz Chris Paul and Devin Booker, get the ball out of their hands. And they just didn't have the defensive personnel to make that work. They got cooked. Yeah, we'll give the ball up and Jay Crowder will make a three or Mikhail Bridges will make a three or we'll drive the ball and, and get an easy layup at the basket. The Mavs just don't have the guns right now to do the types of things that they need to do defensively to protect Luka. And that's really the real reason it probably won't stop. One of the things Jason Kidd said after game two was, well, Luka needs some help on the offensive end so that he can exert some defensive effort that Devin Booker and Chris Paul have the other offensively. That, okay, when Chris Paul is going, Devin Booker can play some sturdier defense. Luka doesn't have that luxury. What do you make of that explanation? I, I think the beauty, the cool thing, and and when it's on the wrong end for you, the the, the crappy thing about basketball is both of the ends of the floor are connected to each other. If you miss a bunch of shots and your offense is not working, the other team gets to rebound and run, you know? And so they're, they're, they're both one and the same to me in terms of what the problem is and where it originates. I think the issue in terms of being able to support Luke on offense to me, yes, Jalen Brunson can't get his shot off. He seems a little bit overwhelmed with the size the Suns have. I, and, and the stat that you gave about Luca, I'll flip it. I think the stat for Booker was that he allowed 0.22 points per possession when Brunson was trying to score on him, when Booker was the defender. That's ugly. So they they need the offense, too, just to control the game a little bit, get their arms around the pace. 
Brunson doesn't seem like that's going to be him. I don't know where else you look. Um, but if, if the Mavs aren't able to just integrate somebody else in some simple actions with Luca and get open shots for another guy, you can take 35 from Luca if it's going to come with seven turnovers and not a lot of free throws. Thanks for making Locked On today your first listen. Don't forget to check out Locked On NFL's reaction to the NFL draft. Get our local and national host take on all the prospects, how teams approach the draft, and most importantly, who won the draft. That's Locked On NFL. Locked On NFL Draft and your favorite NFL team's Locked On show. The Locked On Podcast Network has you covered with all things NFL. Coming up, the greatest two minutes in sports are this Saturday at Churchill Downs. We'll tell you which horses have the best shot to win next. Now on to Sleeper. Sleeper is the fastest growing fantasy platform today with millions of players. And now you could win on Sleeper by playing their new daily fantasy over under game. It's super simple. First, in any sport, choose two or more players that you like and pick the daily fantasy over under. For example, points, basketball, hits, strikeouts, and baseball. If you pick correctly, you can win anywhere from two times to over 20 times your entry. That payout, you are not going to find anywhere else. I'm telling you. But the big reason I'm excited about Daily Fantasy Over-Unders on Sleeper isn't just the great payouts, and they are great. It's that I can join my friends contest and we can play together. So stop what you're doing and download Sleeper now to play their Daily Fantasy Over-Under game. Have fun with your friends and win. And make sure to use promo code LOCKEDON today. Sleeper will match your deposit up to $100 if you do, so why wouldn't you? Again, download Sleeper, then use the promo code LOCKEDON today. To get that deposit, terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. Now, here's what you need to be locked on today. The Rangers never trailed on their way to tying the series with the Penguins. Hey, what is going on, hockey fans? It's John Jacob Locked on New York Rangers. The Rangers just a second ago wrapping up a 5-2 win against the Pittsburgh Penguins, tying the best of seven series at one game apiece. And it's funny because, you know, if you just kind of, if you're just a general hockey fan and you're just checking the scores for tonight, you see the Rangers won this game 5-2, you might think like, oh, well, you know, the Rangers, they had this one pretty well in hand. Not the case at all. The Rangers, for a game that they ended up winning by three goals, really made us sweat this one out. I thought one of the biggest sequences in this game was early in the third period. Rangers were only up 3-2 to two at that time. Penguins came out just absolutely on fire, got at least the first eight shots on goal of the third period. Rangers bent but didn't break. They hung in there. They got some big-time saves by Igor Shesterkin, and then they add on to their lead, and they kind of live up to their reputation of being one of the best third-period teams in hockey. Uh, that would have been really, really tense down, uh, you know, the, the final stretch there had the Rangers were still only up by one goal uh, in the final few minutes. But uh, Panarin get a little bit of puck luck, and he scores. And then Frank Vitrano, the steal of the NHL trade deadline season. It still boggles my mind how Chris Drury and the Rangers were able to get this guy from the President's Trophy winners in exchange for just a fourth-round draft pick. Uh, great stuff, and uh, he had an outstanding night. I believe he had three points and uh, a goal there. Uh, outstanding individual effort, driving harder than that, scoring the goal, and um, I don't want to say putting it away, but giving the Rangers a nice cushion at 5-2 to two at that point. After being disrespected in Game 1 by the Avalanche, the Predators needed to respond in Game 2. It was so much better, but it was still not good enough. Hi everyone, I'm Ann Kimmel from Locked On Predators. After a disastrous game one against the Colorado Avalanche, the Preds took the ice again tonight in Denver and really had to reset. 
They had so many things to improve upon, and for the most part, they did. The Predators were tied at the end of regulation 1-1. The game went into overtime, and the Preds couldn't get it done. Kale McCarr scored in overtime, giving the Avalanche a 2-0 lead and giving Nashville a hole they are going to have to dig out of. There were some definite bright spots tonight in the game, though. We saw some more action from the herd line, really kind of turning the momentum of the ice over. Better game from Roman Yossi, for sure. But the big story for the Nashville Predators, Connor Ingram. The young netminder came in in game one to finish out the second and third periods. He got the nod from head coach John Hines to start this game, and he was incredible. He faced over 40 shots, only let in two goals, so many amazing saves by Connor Ingram. This is a game that without a strong netminder would have been over in regulation by a lot. So huge night for Connor Ingram, but damn, the Predators cannot get it done. They head back here and will take on the Avs at Bridgestone Arena on Saturday, and they are going to have to get it together if they want to stay in this series. The Capitals fell hard to the Panthers, and it was all because of a problem that, well, everyone saw coming except Capitals leadership. Hello, this is Dan Holmey from Locked On Capitals. Well, the Washington Capitals fall to the Florida Panthers by a score of 5-1. to one. But the real story of the game is that the Washington Capitals did not keep pace with this Panthers team. They continue to bring that big physical game out there, and the Washington Capitals did not bring the physical game in return. Also, the Panthers got some great goal scoring and some really great net minding by Bobrovsky tonight. But the real story about this entire game of this whole thing is something that the Washington Capitals saw coming from 100 miles away, uh, and that's net minding. And they never seemed to take care of it at the trade deadline. They turned a blind eye to it and said, we're all in on Vanacek and Samsonov, and that's what we're going to do. Well, those chickens came home to roost tonight in the form of Vitek Vanacek. Vitek Vanacek, who had a rough night out there, he made 14 saves on 19 shots. That's good for a .737 save percentage. Ilya Samsonov came in in relief and made 17 saves on 17 shots. So suffices to say, he's probably going to get the start in game number three. And the Capitals have got to find a way to turn it around. Ovechkin said, we knew it was going to be a tough, long series. Nothing can do right now. Just move on and forget about it. It doesn't matter the score, one to nothing or 10 to nothing. We still lost. And on the diamond, the Mets entered the top of the ninth down 7-1 to the Phillies and came away with a win. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Imagine if you're a Philly fan. Finkelstein, the host of Locked On Mets. I just watched the the, the Phillies uh, blow a seven to one lead in the ninth inning. Francisco Lindor hits a two run homer. You said, "Oh, cool, Lindor. Good to see him. You, you know, get a home run, get back on track because this game's over." But this is this is good to see. And then the Mets go on to score seven runs on eight hits. Uh, Corey Knebel. Oh, I'm really scared of Corey Knebel. Lockdown closer. ERA under one. That that bad boy is now over three as the Mets just rocked him. 
in the ninth inning. I, I wasn't even expected to talk about this game. Tomorrow's show, I have Arm Layton on. We're talking prospects. I got 20 minutes of that. I was just going to briefly mention the game on the front end of the podcast. Now, I got a whole ninth inning to discuss on tomorrow's show, so make sure you tune into that. And if you know a, a, a Phillies fan uh, in your life, or even, you know, my personal case as a Heat fan, so if you know a Sixers fan, just make sure that you send them some lovely text before you go to bed tonight. Um, and just let them know the current state of things um, in their sports town. <laughs> what losers. Uh, Mets fans are getting their hope up about this team. And luckily for them, that has uh, it's never ended badly. It's never ended badly for them. Here is another story you need to know. The Kentucky Derby is back this weekend. And it is always a fun time. Get your finest suits, your fascinators, get your mint juleps ready for another great race. Joining me on the line is longtime writer, television analyst uh, who covers this stuff as close as anybody, Dick Girardi. And, and Dick, I think one of the biggest stories heading into this weekend is actually about who isn't here. Bob Baffert coming in uh, off a, a suspension for Medina Spirit when he was disqualified in 2021 how much do you think that's going to hang over not just the the race but the proceedings which are famously very festive now it's a huge part of it there's no question i mean when medina spare crossed the finish line last year in the derby baffert was the all-time leading uh, winner in derby wins with seven and then a week later he finds out the worst test positive for this prohibited uh anti-inflammatory betamethasone as you said, has subsequently been disqualified. That happened just a couple of months ago. It went on for like nine months. So, yeah, him not being here is a huge deal. I went by his barn yesterday, and it was like a ghost town. It was very mm. strange. Uh, you know, he's usually got all these plaques up. There's 50 people waiting to talk to him. And this year, nobody, no people, no horses, no anything. So, absolutely, he is missed. And it is a big part of the storyline of this year's derby who's not here so the the favorites coming in epicenter and zandon are five to one each they are co-favorites co-favorites a, a bit unusual coming in here for for your money right now who is the favorite favorite if there is one horse that stands above the rest yeah so to me i, I like epicenter the best now what, what they're doing on betonline.ag is projecting what the public will do. Ultimately, the public will decide on who the favorite is by how they bet their money in the wind pool on Saturday. The betting actually starts on Friday. So yeah, I think they're pre- pretty close. I'm not sure which one will ultimately be favored. And I understand why the bet online people made it both five to one, because that's about what it is. There isn't any obvious horse, say like American Pharaoh in 2015 or Justify in 2018 that stands out over the field. I like Epicenter the most, but this is a closer derby than many others when I've come down here. So when I hear that, I think, oh, hey, this is a great opportunity for me to grab some value. Maybe I can grab Smile Happy at 16 to 1, Crown Pride at 20 to 1, Zozo's at 25 to 1. Is there a value play in your mind, a horse that, that maybe is flying a little bit under the radar where you can bet a little and win a lot? Yeah, for sure. It was interesting. I came down here thinking, there is no way Crown Pride can win this race. He's a Japanese horse. That I mean, they're not winning the Kentucky Derby. And then I watched them on the track on Wednesday, and I, like a lot of other people, were just blown away by how his last workout, how good he looked. And the reality is that the Japanese had not really won many races. They won nothing in America until they won two Breeders' Cup races last uh, 
November at Del Mar. Then they won races in Dubai. There are Japanese horses in Saudi Arabia. So I think Brown Pride, I don't think he's going to be 20 to 1. I think the word is out. There's going to be something less than that. But I think he's going to outrun his odds. If, if he can run to that workout, he's got a real chance. One of the weird things that, that you're allowed to bet on on Bet Online, and I think specifically because of this Bob Baffert situation, is will there be an inquiry in the Kentucky Derby? And yes, right. is, is plus 330. <laughs> I mean, th- that's, that part of it is just crazy. Uh, no is is the you know the obvious favorite at five to one, but just the fact that that we can bet on it, I think, speaks to why this is a different kind of weekend because of what happened last year. No question. I mean, I love that prop. I would bet the no because it's not likely <laughs> that will happen. But having said that, right, we had an inquiry and an objection in 2019 and a disqualification. Now last year's disqualification, there wasn't an inquiry; it was a post-race situation with a with a, a positive. It's a great prop. I love it. I'm betting no. Please, I don't need an inquiry. Coming up between Dylan Brooks, Jaron Jackson Jr., and the Warriors just not playing well in the first two games, they're sitting pretty with the series tied at one. Hall of Famer Rick Berry explains why next. With the Stanley Cup playoffs beginning and the NBA playoffs raging on, you're going to need a snack that doesn't break your diet. Look no further than Built Bar. All Built Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. That's 100% real chocolate. They're low in calorie, high in protein. Replace your candy bars with these. They're better. I'm telling you, they're better. And what's amazing is they're good for you. They're good for you. High in protein, high in fiber, low in net carbs, low in calories. Go to Built.com and scroll down to the macro chart. You can see for yourself. And yet, these are the best tasting protein bars ever. Have you tried the Puffs? The Puffs are the first ever protein-infused marshmallow. Protein-infused marshmallow covered in chocolate. I mean, come on. What else do you need to know? Go to Built.com and use promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. The Golden State Warriors return to Chase Arena with their series against the Memphis Grizzlies tied at one apiece. Hall of Famer Rick Barry was unlocked on Warriors with Cyrus Satsas, and he believes the Warriors have the upper hand. What are the Warriors doing? I mean, make job. I mean, I don't care. I could I could live with him making his three-point shots. But Same. oh God, he's so elusive and he gets to the basket, but you got to just stop and make him beat you from the perimeter. And he happened to have a hell of a game shooting the ball from outside this time. But I can live with John Moran beating me from the perimeter. I can't live with John Moran getting inside three feet from the basket, five feet from the basket, kicking it out to open shots. And then how do you expect to win when you shoot 18? And they almost won. They could have easily won that game. 18% from three-point range. You're not going to beat anybody taking 30-something, almost 40 shots and making 18% of them only. And they shot 42% from twos. So this, despite all of this stuff that happened, that was a game the Warriors could have won, okay? Mm-hmm. And they won one of the games when Steph and Clay, both of them, didn't have good shooting games from three-point range. So, you know, get them back home, familiar surroundings. Let them play the way that they're playing. I I don't think that Memphis is a better basketball team than the Golden State Warriors. Same. And I just feel that the Warriors have not played a good game, and they're one and one Listen, far be it for me to disagree with the Hall of Famer. So I'm not going to disagree with the Hall of Famer. But I do think it's worth noting that this was a series that could easily be 2 nothing Memphis if John Morant just makes a layup in game one. John Morant has been 
the best player in this series. And the Golden State Warriors just lost their best small defender for the series. The guy who would have had a lot of minutes playing against Ja Morant. The Warriors have all the experience and all of the championship medal. That is true. And they haven't played their best basketball. They haven't been getting the most favorable whistle. All that's true. John Moran is the best player in this series right now. And until that changes, man, this is, this is going to be a dogfight. And finally, Shohei Otani pitched his first game at Fenway Park on Thursday and put on a show like none have seen since Babe Ruth. He struck out 11 Red Sox hitters and had two hits himself. One of those hits was a lined shot 109 miles per hour that banged off the Green Monster so hard that it knocked his number 17 out of the pitcher slot on the manual scoreboard. It's one of my favorite ballparks, Otani said, who has batted 302 with two homers in 10 games at Fenway. I was looking forward to pitching here. Otani remains must-see TV and one of the most fascinating superstars in all of sports. Thanks for making Locked On today your first listen. Now go make your second listen. Locked On NFL Draft. Ryan Tracy and former NFL cornerback Eric Crocker bring the NFL Draft to life every day with insight and analysis on college football prospects and NFL front offices. It's free and available wherever you get podcasts. Coming up Monday, we'll catch you up on all the things you missed in the NBA playoffs over the weekend. So at least until tomorrow, stay locked on today. Today.